Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I am once again back from the dead. Your host Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, Gomez and Fester Adams to my mamushka, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, up until about 15 seconds ago, I was really genuinely worried that I wasn't going to remember how to say things. <laughs> but I felt really good during that intro. That was a one take intro, folks. So we're keeping it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Dude, your job's hard. Your job's hard, man. I, I was trying to I was trying to channel the you and it was it was a hard it was a hard thing to channel. Yeah, it's surprising, right? Like if you had asked me before we started the podcast, was it difficult? I would have said, nah, you just talk. No, it is. It's difficult. There's a lot of things to manage. Yeah, there is. There is. You you, you have a you have a hat and you wear it well. It's a hidden hat. It's an invisible hat. I appreciate that, buddy. This is getting away from me. Oh, my God. It made sense. to. Oh, man, you are tired because that was totally not a good <laughs> analogy. We're all good, baby. We're all good. We're all good. <laughs> We're going to make it. Sure, I haven't slept in 17 days, but that's fine. You slept. A little bit here and there. Here and there. There you go. Cat nap. That's all you need. Saturday, Jessica took uh, Amelia down to Houston to visit her mom. And so I had an entire night where I didn't have anybody waking me up it was great how long did you sleep <sighs> 11 and a half hours <laughs> did you round that corner that you slept so much you were all messed up because your body was like oh yeah, i got man, my I was so sleepy. <laughs> i woke up and i was like have i been in a coma what year is it <laughs> it was really bad I woke up around noon and I, I kind of like stumbled downstairs, very confused. And the kids are like, we're hungry. And I'm like, oh, my God, what time is it? <laughs> it was really bad. It was really, really bad. But hey, that's neither here nor there. As always, let's kick off this episode with a big thanks over to our fan. A big thanks over to our patrons over at Patreon. Thank you guys so very much. You guys help keep the lights on and, uh, Help keep this circus a-flowing. Yeah, yeah. And it flows. It flows. <laughs> Indeed it does. And I got, I got nothing. Robert, looking at the notes, how much more appropriate could the, the National Day be on the release of this episode? Yes, yes, yes. Happy National Reconciliation Day, everybody. Uh, there are many, according to the Internet, but this is one, and we're going to take it. This is the day where uh, we patch up our relationships, and it's only fitting, Jonathan, that we have come back together in Episode 60 on this day of reconciliation. We are dancing the dance of brotherly love, my friend. We're coming back, and we're coming back hard. Yes, yes. The mamushka. All right. Well, any other announcements? No. Tell us about your daughter, man. She's uh, she's kind of awesome. Uh, it's really kind of uh, so. Just to give everyone a, a quick, brief history, because that's that's what the comment's going to be about. Um, this is my second marriage, my first genetic child uh, of this marriage, and the reason I bring that up is because she looks exactly like her older sister from my first marriage, which is really kind of weird to me because there's a second genetic mix there, but she looks the same. 
Well, that, some of that might pop up later, you know, because Jessica is pretty tall. So that that and yeah, so maybe that'll pipe in. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Amelia's probably going to be very tall. So she's growing quick, too, man. She's already getting those chunky thighs. Oh, I love that on babies. Love those chunky thighs. <laughs> Are you just like freebasing her head constantly, just like snorting it and huffing it? Oh, you don't even know, man. I'm hitting her like a crack pipe. It's not even funny. Ah. Like if Jessica walks by, I just lean in and I. Oh, yeah, that's the good stuff right there. That's baby. Oh, that's 100% yeah. baby uncut. Yeah, it's good times. It's good times. It lasts It lasts surprisingly long. And you, you start noticing it's fading and you're like, oh, it's going away. I got to appreciate it. And then it's just gone. It's just gone. It goes so fast. Yeah, it seems to be tied to when their hair stops being soft, which is really sad, too. That makes me bummed out. Because right yeah. now, her hair is just the softest thing on the planet. There you go. You need to go just, yeah, just hit that pipe, man. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, give me some of that, baby. Yeah, I did I did not get enough of the twins. I mean, <laughs> probably because they're twins. You know what's really funny? I've been, I've been talking to you about having a baby. And in my head, like, having babies right now is this, like herculean monolithic awful thing that you have to like (laughs) climb with like bloodied fingernails over because you know like the twins the twins have like really colored my perceptions of having a baby because it was you know the last thing i did with them and uh and 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 you're just talking about stuff like no that's you're you lie that's not how it is (laughs) you're like all your you got your knuckles gotta be skinned up and you're just like hanging on like with dear life just barely clutching by from day to day and and you're just saying crap and i'm like dude you you (sighs) well i got two things going for me man number one let's face it this is number five i've been down this channel before there's there's no baby's gonna punch me in the face at this point without me knowing it's coming a and b without me being completely you know immune to its effects like I, i get it i get babies i've done it it's cool it's a lot easier now uh but the other thing is i only had the one you had two at once that that puts you in a different category yeah yeah well that's that's what i'm saying because i i'd done the one i think the second time around it would have been a lot better because i mean even even now like uh one, one of mine's been sick all weekend got got the roseola finally uh like you know they, it's like they usually get up before two and mine are like two and a half that but you know like the the full-on fever diarrhea irritable then breaks out in spots oh that's the worst yeah 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 it's apparently it's related to herpes fun fun fact yay herpes. um but yeah yeah don't forget kids herpes it's the gift that keeps on <laughs> but yeah like and and yeah, but I I didn't freak out like like when when Alan got it. Oh my god, we 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 went to the doctor. I was like, oh my god, what are these spots? Is this is this measles? Holy crap! I, I, I remember that very clearly. That when you when you got your first kid, it's like, oh man, the first time they have a fever, you're you're calling the CDC and you're trying to figure out is she gonna live. <laughs> and then you get to kid number three, and it's like, ah, you know, that's a petri dish, but I'm gonna allow it. Yeah, it's like, ah, they'll be. F- fine just let it roll it's like are you, huh. are you sure it's like they, yeah they're licking the toilet but i don't feel like i need to say anything right yeah, now whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no thankfully it's not that bad but and all uh, i gotta all i got all i can think about is is like my real question i ask myself is, is like the kid's sick and you know someone's like maybe you should take her to the doctor it's like the copay is like uh a a, a a game on sale, like a PlayStation game on sale. Is this worth a PlayStation game on sale? No, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. And when we get to that point, you know, then it'll be real. But most of the time, no, we're not there yet. 
So, all right. So you're hanging in there. Amelia's good times. Oh, man, she's amazing. She's lovely. Um, she's very pleasant. Um, you know, she cries as much as the next baby, but it, it's always just tied to hunger or being uncomfortable. She's a real mellow baby. Nice. Nice. We gave her her first bath uh, not too long ago. And it was really funny because uh, she was really upset at first because we took her clothes off and it was a little cold. And then as soon as she hit the warm water, it was like complete zen silence. And she just relaxed and floated in her hands. And she was just like, she was like, oh, man, you guys put me back in. (laughs) Yeah. This is all right. This is all right. You know what I I have had real problems dealing with? Like I look at my seven-year-old and then I look at the, the sink and I'm like, you used to fit in that. <laughs> <laughs> like, easily, easily fit in that. And now, look at you. Look at you. You're just limbs and snark. That's true, man. That is true. Yeah. It, it, it is a trip how they grow, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And now it's time for our off-the-shelf segment. This is, of course, our segment where we talk about all the things that we've had off of our shelves and onto our tables. And, of course, Robert into our hearts all right that was take two so let's see if we can keep this pattern going and when we do come back for the news you'll have to do that three times then you're in life four <laughs> and then you die five we'll see we'll see seems appropriate we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> well robert my list considering that it's been a month is not particularly long <laughs> that's about average for you for every two weeks i'd get i'd say it's about it a- yeah except it's been a month yeah it's been a month yeah yeah nice Nice. And most of this, most of this happened right before the baby came. <laughs> like, none of this is post-baby. Well, Robert, let's go ahead and get started in uh, movies and TV today. I'm feeling the middle of the list. Feeling the middle. All right. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, I started watching Mindhunter on Netflix. Oh, is that the show based off of the book Red Dragon? No, no. It is a show that is based off of the birth of the behavioral sciences unit at the FBI. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the first time they stopped looking at at uh, crimes from just a a motive perspective and started applying, you know, actual psychology to it. Right, right. And it's it's fascinating. It's extremely well done. Extremely well. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that show, and it seems up my alley because. I mean, it's, I like amazing, I like man. the fantasy, I, I like the sci-fi, in, in, I like the goofy, and then I, I like Hannibal Lecter-style killing things. Did you ever see Hannibal, the TV show? No. Okay, let me just tell you, that TV show is beautiful. Like, it's beautifully constructed. Every scene is a painting. That show won't let you sleep. You, you can only watch one at a time. You can't binge watch it. And then afterwards, you got to process that. You see things in that show. How, well, how about Mindhunters? Where does that fall into it? So far, Mindhunters is, is, is more focused on the FBI aspect. So, Ooh. yes, you're seeing and talking about some unsettling things, but you're mostly experiencing it from the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Somebody that's learning's perspective, not necessarily somebody that's actively working the case. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, I, I'll have to put that in my list. Uh, it'll probably have to wait until we're done with Veronica Mars because uh, that has to. That seems to be late night viewing after so the you've been watching Veronica sleep. Mars. Oh God! Of course, I've been watching Veronica Mars. I mean, it's a great show. Make no mistake. Yeah, you know what's surprising about that show? Everything that it works because it shouldn't. Uh, n- no, I mean, no more teen. Det- teen detectives have been like a genre for so long; it won't ever get old. Like, there's no way from Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys to the Scooby Gang. Like, it, we keep coming back to it because it's a, it's a trope that works. People like that. <laughs> no, no, no. The part that surprises me 
so we were watching uh, we were watching the show, and the second season takes place in 2006 by the end of it. So it takes place over the, the 0506 school year, right? So the first one took place in the 04. So, you know, but not that old. 12 years, right? 12 years? Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. 13 years, whatever. 12 and a half. Like, there are episodes of that show that you could not do today the way they are written because they, you know, just progression (laughs) you know and it's really weird like looking back at a time that's not that far along you know it's like i'm watching a show about teenagers and at that point in my life i was you know in my mid-20s you know so i i I recall it fairly well for example there's an episode which uh uh, has adam scott aka ben wyatt from parks and rec uh he plays this teacher that veronica really likes and in the middle of the class one of the students just kind of blurts out to everybody that uh you know it's like oh you know uh i had i had my period so you don't have to worry about getting me that abortion or something and veronica like says oh this is yeah and veronica's like this is a really good teacher she's totally lying i'm gonna i'm gonna Prove that she's lying and i'm like you know post me too you would not write that episode that way and uh and it turns out the teacher is a scumbag and there's there's blah you know whatever but but yeah and just you know just homophobia and transphobia and all that there's just a lot of it comes up in ways that you would just not do in this day and age and it's surprising because 12 years ago isn't all that long ago you know like 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 uh spider-man uh, uh, ultimate spider-man you know when one of those references happened from 2000 i thought it was like that wasn't that long ago, but that was like an okay joke back then. I remember reading that and not even thinking twice about it. And now I'm like watching Veronica Mars, which, you know, is forward six years from that. And it's like, geez, like this was not all that long ago. Like what's going on? Well, I mean, you know, times times change and it sounds like this one's changed a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just it's surprising. Every so often something comes up. And you're like, oh, geez, damn. <laughs> well, I mean, just just think of even just in the last like two or three years, like how much ex- the, the concept of what is and is not acceptable has changed. Yeah. Like it, it, what you're saying makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah. But I not, not that it's a bad show. It's just, yeah, every so often the episodes come up and you're like, whoa, they would not do that like that now. That's that's bad. They're falling into bad tropes. And yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, but I mean, anytime you're watching an older show, yeah, they can fall into bad tropes, but you also have to take into account the tropes of the of the time. Yeah, well, no, no, I I, I am. It's just it's it's weird to think that this was not that long ago. That That's my only point. It was not that long ago. And it feels like a lot longer than it was. I don't know. Whatever. I, I, I'm waxing nostalgic about it. It's still a very good show. Like it. It's making me want to play bubble gumshoe more and more. I really, I really would love to play a bubble gumshoe game. Yeah. Like that, that system is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then attacking people and, 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 and sick burning them to death. That sounds like fun. <laughs> all right what have you been watching well um, i also had a chance to binge watch something with uh, jessica right after amelia was born mm, go on of all things she got really into umbrella academy what and and i'm telling you what umbrella academy is tapping into something special because she is by far not the only person that would not normally be into that kind of geeky stuff who said oh man have you watched umbrella academy it's so good it's like the next game of thrones hmm where it's tapped into something with the the general populace that normally it doesn't get tapped into with shows like this. Interesting. I, I have not watched it yet. Again, it's on my late night viewing list, but it'll probably have to wait till after Veronica Mars. I will Mars. say no more until you've watched it because I want to have. A uh, so, somebody told me about the lady that can uh, uh, make you do things. 
I heard a rumor. Yeah, I heard a rumor. And the the, the scene where, you know, they're they're kind of painting her as an awful human being because she used it on her. I heard a rumor that you're really tired. <laughs> and, and, and she goes like, come on. Every single parent in the world went, yeah, yeah I'd do yeah, it. Yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> like, I, 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 like uh, it, when, my, when my buddy who, was, uh, who told me about that scene told me about it, it was like, yeah, I would have used that tonight. <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much and here's the funny thing when when that scene happens and the the guy gets all upset i'm sitting there thinking to myself man that's so unrealistic that guy would have high five he would have been like dang what took so long if it if, if it was another parent yeah i think that would have been a high five moment yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah truth truth <laughs> well i watched a couple of uh movies with uh so the older kids and and we had a chance to watch some some things so we watched uh, Die Hard 4. Which one's that? Live Free or Die oh, Hard? Oh, the bad one. Okay. <laughs> it's not terrible. It's bad. It, uh, I enjoy it. All right? I enjoy it. I'm going to say it. I, I'm a Die Hard 4 enjoyer. That one lost it for me when uh, McLean was like the Harrier something and the, the semi, that whole sequence. First of all, sir, good sir, it was not a Harrier. It was an F-35 Lightning. Dash B Marine model. Whatever. Who cares? The point was he gets in a fight on a fighter jet, and I'm like, this is from the movie where McLean walked through glass and limped for the rest of the movie. Now he's fighting on the back of a GD fighter jet. Come on, come on. Okay, this is also the same guy that jumped off of a roof with a with a fire hose tied around him. And y- you know what? They they earned a little cred from the the glass in the foot. I I let it go. But I, whatever, whatever. I, I mean, it's a problem. It's a problem. Like a lot of things fall into. You got to keep upping the stakes, you know. And it's really hard to have a grounded action hero time after time without a, and still trying to up the stakes. I get it, but yeah, that time after time. Don't time after time. Okay, I'm gonna pull at you to stop. We we can't afford it. We can't afford the license on that one. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That is so true. We cannot afford that license. All right. Anyway, sorry, so, sorry um, to hate. Positive yeah. podcast. There is no hate. There is no hate. That, that that one was not my cup of tea, so much so that I never saw five. Did they make a five? They did make a five. Yeah, never saw five. Uh, Die Hard 5 is a... <laughs> That's the one that, that jumped the shark for me. Mm. The whole thing takes place in Russia. It's kind of goofy. It's got some good set pieces, but it's just kind of goofy. Ah. Uh, and for me to call a Die Hard movie goofy, I mean, I, I feel like that tells you everything you need. Yeah, yeah, no, we're good. Say no more. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But, uh, yeah, no, Die Hard 4 was fun. Uh, the older kids liked it. They, they enjoyed it. And it's PG-13, so, you know, it's, it's the Die Hard I can share. <laughs> I've only seen the R version, so. And then, oddly enough, uh, continuing our, our trend of vertical takeoff and landing aircraft fights, we ended up watching True Lies. That movie is so strange. It's so weird to think Cameron made that after T2. I think that was his follow-up to T2. Number one, that movie holds up. That movie's so good. It is so so good. I saw it about three or four years ago at this point. Yeah, and it, it was it was good then. Yeah. Well, and and here's the problem though, and I understand why Cameron has sh- kind of shrunk away from it, and he doesn't he doesn't embrace it like he embraces other films, and it, it's not the film's fault. It's because nine eleven happened, mm. and this is a pre nine eleven movie, uh, you know, about terrorists, and then the joke wasn't quite as funny anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so, so like, I get it. I get it. I get it. But if, if we remove, if, if we look at it as escapism, which it most definitely is, it is an enjoyable romp, and it is a very well-constructed film with some fantastic set pieces. And Arnold, showing off the comedic chops, man. He, he's hitting those comedic beats. He's funny in that movie. 
He's genuinely funny. Yeah, uh, no, that's a good flick. It's a good flick. I I watched uh, the '96 Godzilla because it's streaming on Netflix right now, and I just wanted to watch a dumpster fire. The one with Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I wanted to watch a dumpster fire. Oh God, I feel like I should backhand. You. I wanted to watch a dumpster fire. There are no fun police. If I want to watch it, <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I, I did. It, you know what was funny? That movie was not as bad as I remembered it. You know, because I remembered it being a dumpster fire and it was merely like a trash fire or something. I was like, this isn't as bad as I remember. <laughs> I mean, it's not. You got your dumpster fire as requested. <laughs> it, it wasn't. A, it was merely a trash can fire. I, I, I'll, I'll say that. But uh, yeah, there's some there's some stuff that happens in that movie. And I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that after 9-11. That's that's. Yeah, no. <laughs> Speaking of things we have moved on from. Yeah, that that movie is one of them. Well, switching gears pretty pretty harshly with a record scratch and, and whatnot, I, uh, I've i been watching Matt Colville on the YouTubes. Do you know who Matt Colville is? No, who's that? Okay, uh, he is the record holder for RPG Kickstarters. He got you points last year. Hey, hey, hey high five to Matt Colville. Keeping the streak alive. <laughs> He's, he did the, uh, the Strongholds and Followers book, and basically his last stretch goal was any more money we make off of this, I'm going to start a streaming show and buy a studio, which he... Considering that last stretch goal, I think was at five hundred thousand dollars, and he made two point one million and change. Like, yeah, he, he has a nice studio. I need to write an RPG book. Yeah, seriously, right? But uh, I started watching his initial videos and uh, where he does like D and D advice and stuff. And I I, I I avoided watching his videos for a long time because I was like, what could this person seek to teach me? I have been jamming for thirty years. What what do you have? What can you bring to me? Because I'm I'm all haughty and, and whatnot. And no, his videos are actually really good. Um, what I really liked about it, he's a little bit older than me. He's about he's probably like fifty right now. You know, he's like ten years older than me. So when he was a teenager, his experience was with first edition D and D, whereas mine was with second. And that just slight perspective bump gives him a really interesting take on things that isn't my take, but I can like see it because I know enough about it. And, uh, yeah. And then his jamming vice is actually pretty decent. Like he was saying some stuff and usually once or twice a video, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I need to pay attention to that more or whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I gotta tell you, wait, wait, hearing you say all this stuff, it reminds me that I have listened to about probably a dozen podcasts with different GMs, uh, hosting them over the, the past couple of years. And there's not a single one that I didn't take something away from, because you know what, you're raising a really good point here. Everybody's got a different way of approaching GMing, and there's no one right way. And ev- I- I've learned something from every single GM that I've, I've listened to talk about GMing. Mm-hmm. 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 And I'm glad you're bringing this up. This makes me happy. I, I started listening to Cat uh, 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 Cool's new podcast. Uh, she used to do campaign for the One Shot Network. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's moved on to her own network, uh, uh, and she's doing a podcast called Autodomic, which is for a... Uh, I guess the RPG is on Roll Twenty, but it's not in physical form yet, or something. I'm not sure, but it's 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 basically she wanted to make a RPG actual play podcast aimed at younger kids, so it's like PG. Yeah, I'd say PG because they don't really, I, they haven't really gotten into battles yet, so I don't know how graphic they're going to be with like murdering folks. But uh, most of the shenanigans are kind of like tweenager shenanigans, you know. And uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty good. But yeah, she was doing things in that, that when I was listening to the first episode because she talks a lot in, in lots of ways about cameras panning. It, it might sound kind of silly, you know, like I was thinking about it, like, but it like works because like we've all watched enough TV that when you talk about cameras and zooming in and the camera zooms in on blah, like that's language that you understand because we all watch so much damn TV, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
if you want to really have a subtle thing like this is a cinematic campaign we are kind of like making a movie here like just talking about cameras like puts that headspace into people so going back to the jamming advice <laughs> well there you go. I'm, I'm serving it back do you have more jamming advice or do you want to move on no no I, I think maybe we save that for a for a topic one day oh oh my well you should watch matt coville he's uh he's pretty good and he has a uh, a video about why fourth edition isn't bad that uh i was shocked when i watched it because uh he expressed something in that video an argument for for why fourth edition wasn't bad that i'd never heard before and he was right (laughs) and i was like bravo sir you filled my head with new knowledge (laughs) so there you go i'll put it in the show notes i guess so we've talked about that. How about uh, video games? Any video games? Two Point Hospital was free over the weekend, last weekend, not this just past weekend, but the one before that. I'd watched it a lot on like YouTube channels and stuff, so I, I, I played the hell out of it as much as I could. And uh, I, I, I still don't know if it's a buy for me, but I had a lot of fun playing it. I just I, I like sim games, but it wasn't quite what I was after, but it was still really good, <laughs> if that makes any sense. It does. does. But yeah, yeah, you might you might get a kick out of it because what's really nice about it, you know, you're simulating medical stuff, but all of the diseases are made up. So it's not like depressing. You know, it's like, oh, (laughs) you failed to cure somebody's cancer and now they're going to die. It's like, oh, you failed to cure somebody's um, lightheadedness where their head has been replaced with a light bulb. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, okay, it's hard. It's hard to feel really bad about that, you know? Pro tip for adulting, by the way, never, ever, ever put your symptoms into the internet or WebM. Yeah. Because it's always cancer. Yeah, it is always cancer. Oh, man, I've got a headache and my mouth's a little dry. Cancer. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, lightheadedness in that game is your head has literally turned into a light bulb. And then the, when you get uh, diagnosed with that, they send you into the lightheadedness room where they sit you down in a machine that unscrews your head, your light bulb head and then 3D prints <laughs> you a new one and jams it back on. <laughs> I like it. People complained because a lot of the those rooms, there was only one disease that really was cured in those rooms, and and they were like, you need to add more stuff in because some, you know, these rooms take up a lot of space and they don't get used all the time, or or whatever. So uh, the lightheadedness room that also is the room that cures head crabs, where people walk in with like half lifestyle head crabs over their head, and they walk around like they can't see, you know, like it's just over their face. But yeah, that that thing grabs it and just pulls it off their head, and then they're like fine afterward. And then, nice. then throws it in the garbage. It's it's good times. Like uh, when I when I stopped playing, I had just gotten to a level where they introduced a mono monochromality or something like that, where people come in in black and white, and the the machine that cures it <laughs> is just this big giant like thing you step into, and then it just spray paints your color back onto you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, and that's it. What about you, sir? Um, that's it for video games. Yeah. For you? That's all I've really done. I mean, I've, I've played a few things. I, I'm, I'm in this weird point where I just I want a new game, but nothing sounds good. I've been renting a lot of stuff, but nothing's really stood out. Uh, and then, of course, I have to edit this week. And three games I put on hold on the library all came in this week. So I got to like I'll probably play all of them for a day and then decide which one I want to put back on my list and play again in four months. Right now, Spider-Man's definitely on that list, but whatever. Oh, I hear nothing because it's it's fun. It's really fun, but I'm not going to have time to play much more of it, which sucks because I got to try out Little Dragons Cafe and Spyro uh, Reignited. I want to try Spyro Reignited. Spyro, actually, still to this day, the only game that has ever made me motion sick. (laughs) Oh, that's great. My wife will love watching Uh, that. No, I take that back. The first game that made me motion sick. The only other game that made me motion sick after that was, uh, I think, Sonic. One of the Sonic Adventures games that came out on the Xbox and the camera was so bad that it constantly got hooked into the environment and caused like weird jitters and stuff. And it was just terrible. Mm. 
But uh, no, Spyro made me motion sick just simply because it was the first time I'd ever seen a, a 60 frames per second game. And whole oh, wow, was my brain just not adjusted to that at all. <laughs> nice. It took some time. Well, I will tell you how Reignited is next week or next time for 61. I am going to be curious to hear. I truly am. Uh, let's see. What else did we uh, did I play? So um, I've been playing a good chunk of Anthem. Yeah, you talked about that last time. You just gotten it last okay, time. Okay, I couldn't remember. So it's been so long that I can't remember what I talked about last time. So if I repeat myself, just let me know. Uh, I like it. It is an imperfect game by by any standards. I see where they're going with it, and I'm curious to go on that voyage with them. It's more cohesive narrative than uh, Destiny One was, but not by a lot. For a lot of those games like that, I, I think I'm kind of getting to the point now, and it's sad because Dragon Age 4 is going to be one of those games too, but one of those live service, Destiny, looter, shooter, whatever you want to call it games, I think you just need to wait a year. Yeah, I hate to say it, that's not such a bad set of advice there. Yeah, because in a year it'll either still be around and in a really good shape, or it will have crashed and burned horribly and you don't have to worry about it anymore. So who cares? <laughs> you know? I mean, I like it. Like, it, it's an Iron Man simulator. Make no mistake. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is, it is the first and only time I've ever seen Iron Man mechanics pulled off. And it makes me want an Iron Man game really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. But it's, it's got some serious issues, and a big part of those issues is what's going on in this world. Like, I don't understand. They don't give you enough history. And I don't know whether the history is just buried someplace like it was for Destiny or what, but it's not in the game. Not, a, not that I can find so far. All right, well, speaking of looter shooters, tell me about The Division Part Deux. Okay, so I just picked up The Division. I had to be talked into it because I already had Anthem. I didn't want another looter shooter, but my buddies were all playing it, and they talked me into it, so I gave it a shot. And I'm really enjoying it. It's a great sequel to the original Division. I played the, uh, a ton of the original Division. It's pretty much by the numbers in terms of sequels, but everything has been so polished that it's great. That being said, it's a Tom Clancy game, so I kind of walk in expecting a certain amount of story, and um, the story's incomprehensible. So it's a looter shooter. It feels like something that was translated from another uh, another language. Like, English was not the original written language of the story. Because there's some just weird, in, almost incomprehensible choices. Hmm. Weird. Well, I'm, I'm interested in that one, so keep playing it and tell me what you think. Because I've heard nothing but good things about it. Like, between Anthem and Division, I've heard a lot of people say Division really nailed the looter-shooter thing out of the two of them. Well, I mean, it's a sequel, right? It, it, it learned a lot from its first go, because the, the first go had some issues, let me tell you. Yeah, well... Don't we wish but Destiny it really, could have done that? Like, it really grew nicely. Like, the, the first Division... It started out as as a slightly above mediocre game that really just became something special and fun. And this one's starting out as something special and fun, so it'll be curious to see where it goes. Nice. And I bought the version with the uh, with the season pass, so I'm in it for the long haul on that one. All right, cool. Well, keep us up updated. Uh, I continue to play the Living Daylights out of Apex Legends. I'm completely hooked. The first season started. Things are getting interesting. It's it's just a good game. It captures that battle royale stuff that that Fortnite and um call of duty did well and then it puts a layer of polish on it that the other ones don't have and then it adds just absolutely sublime shooting mechanics because it's the guys that respawn and they made the titanfall games which are some of the best shooters on the market have they put in a feature to report other players yet yes yes they oh have. i will have to give it another go then I told you to give it a little bit of time, and sure enough, it was one of the first patches. Okay, well, I will give it another go then, because, yes, 
Well, we will not go into it here. Positive podcast. Let's just say I had an experience and I deleted it until they added that feature in. Because, <laughs> yes, that happened. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't get it this week because I still got to play Little Dragon's Cafe and Spyro. And I've got enough games to play for this week. Next week, when I have nothing, because the only other video game on my list was Red Dead 2, and I'm still probably two months out from getting that, is uh, that's it. So... <laughs> uh let's see here yeah so that's video games let's go ahead and move on to reading because i actually read something well i started to read something i haven't finished yet. okay okay well i've read two things so uh let's talk about i'll talk about the interesting one last <clears throat> so i i picked up the second arc of spider-man noir eyes without a face and I gave that a read. Are you loving it? Because I really enjoyed that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, the first one was kind of like, oh, it's Spider-Man's origin story, but in the Depression, nah. And it was like, eh. and and you know, the Vulture and and Green Goblin were circus freaks. Eh. Uh, that one, that one was just kind of like, eh, it was kind of an interesting retelling, but it didn't really do anything new. Eyes Without a Face kind of went to a, a good place. Like that was actually interesting. I'll, I, that one was much better, and it pisses me off because that's the last Spider-Man Noir arc. I mean, he came back in in Spider Verse, the comic, and. And uh, it's follow-up, Spider-Geddon, <laughs> which is a dumb name. Oh, God. No, no. <laughs> I've heard the comics okay, but yeah. Why, Marvel? Why? <laughs> Spider-Geddon. We bought into the Spider-Verse, by the way. I just, I'm waiting until all four kids, oh, excuse me, all five kids are at home and we're all going to watch it. Nice, nice. Yes. Tell me how that went. But yeah, yeah, uh, Spider, Spider-Man Noir, Eyes Without a Face, uh, thumbs up. Uh, Spider-Man Noir is, uh, if you're going to walk into that comic expecting the character that Nicolas Cage plays in Spider-Verse the movie, you will not get that. That is not what that book is about. That book is is a noir. Like, it's dark. It's in, Everybody's incredibly corrupt. A universe where everybody's incredibly corrupt, uh, kicking Peter while you're da- while he's down, which is the hallmark of a good Spider-Man uh, story. It works really well because he he doesn't just get t- kicked; he gets like beaten <laughs> within a bloody inch of his life. And yeah, but it's it, you need, Spider-Man needs that, so yeah, there you go. And his webbing's black because, of course, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you been reading? I actually got a book handed to me by Dale, uh, who suggested uh, this book called Fred. The Well, it's it's the book is called The Utterly Uninteresting and Unadventurous Tales of Fred. OK. The Vampire Accountant. <laughs> now, first of all, it should be said, Dale is, in fact, an accountant. So now I'm questioning as to whether or not he's a bloodsucker. Well, you no Wait, no. Accountant, it's lawyers that have that joke. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He might be. It would explain a few things, Dale. It would, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. He's a little on the pale side. It's true. It's true. Okay. Keep an eye on him. Did you have to invite him into your home? I can't recall at this point. It's been too long. Yeah. Like the first time he came over, did you have to tell him, it's like, please enter my home of your own free will? <laughs> <laughs> you could see what happens. You could rescind his invitation and see if he gets violently thrust out. He could be a true blood vampire. That's what happens with them, so... That, that is actually pretty funny. That's one of the funniest things that happens. In <laughs> that, that is friggin' comedy gold right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, so it's Vampire Accountant. It's funny. Like, it's a little slow to get started, but uh, it's, it's, it's pretty darn funny. So, uh, I mean, I, I guess it says it all in the title, but... I mean, he's like this super dull guy who just happens to be the undead. Huh. And then he starts getting sucked into these weird adventures. Hmm. Intriguing. It's, it's, it's worth a read. I'm not going to say that it's, you know, 
Pulitzer winning. It's worth the read. Hey, man. Hey, man. Sometimes a comfortable meal is, is all you need, you know? All right, all right. True. I'll, I'll, true. I'll throw that one by because I'm way behind on my, my reading list, so I've got a few things i got to get through. But Gina... Gina's trying to suffer through the Droughtlander stuff right now, so maybe I'll, I'll get her to read something other than Outlander and try to get her to read that book. Sounds like a fun thing. Gina, I know you're listening, Gina, but yeah, read that book and tell me how it is. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I have been reading, and, and, and Jonathan, I, I, am, I am a terrible, awful human being. Please, can you please pronounce uh, what I'm highlighting for me? Ah, uh, yes. Pasión de las pasiones. Pasión de las pasiones. No, you can't. Uh, see? I'm, I'm awful. Passion. 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 I mean, you sounded more French, but, I mean, you're getting there. At least you're in the right family of languages. <laughs> I don't know what happened with the first one. <laughs> uh, but you have to lower your voice, and you have to, t- you have to do telenovela voice. Passion de las pasiones. Yes. Uh, roughly translated passion of the passions. It is a, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it is a, an apocalypse world role-playing game of Mexican telenovelas. And let me tell you, I, I bought this book, uh, or I bought this PDF on serious, serious margin here because like just by the description, I was like, this is either going to be a steaming pile or a steaming pile of genius. <laughs> like, like there is going to be no in between. <laughs> and what do we, what do we land it on? It landed on steaming pile of genius. It is, it is one of the more entertaining and interesting role playing books I've read in a really long time. Pasión de las pasiones. <laughs> so, okay. You have to just say the name every so often. Cause every single telenovela uh, commercial I've ever seen, they do. That. <laughs> okay. They'll show a scene and then like the narrator will come back with some new dramatic reading. Pasión de las pasiones. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So this this is the the breakdown. Uh, you've played an apocalypse world game. You know the engine, right? Oh yes, all too well. Throw all your like. There are no combat moves. There are no combat moves. All of your character playbooks are just like you know, like the the the, the diva style character. I forget what her name is in the playbooks. Is just like making a grand entrance and making a scene and just soap opera moves. Everything's a freaking soap opera move. And like and it's great because all the soap opera moves really easily chain into one another. So someone can make a grand entrance and then like the evil guy can make the evil guy like back. You know, whatever. It's great. Pasión de las pasiones. Thank you. It's great. Where uh, this book really shines and it's it's one simple small seemingly insignificant but ultimately really really smart innovation was this so the problem with doing a telenovela or any sort of passion was passion the no no say it was passion no the i am saying it with passion jerk no, I said say it was passion. It's not passion. Um, okay, so the problem with doing any sort of dramatic role-playing game is that typically dramatic scenes happen between two characters, typically. You know, it's like two people talking, right? But you're sitting around a table with typically, like, four people plus a GM. So where's the room for other people to interact with that when you're having a conversation between two people, right? And so what they do is when you're playing the game, um, you're playing your character, uh, and you are also playing a family watching the telenovela simultaneously. And so what happens is if you're not actively in the scene, you are supposed to role play the family watching it. <laughs> oh, nice. Fudging brilliant. It is so awesome. And that's the way you get XP in that game. So like everybody has a thing that they do or that they have, and it allows them to get XP. So like, um, if, uh, 
the, the, the pretty diva character. I, I'm sorry. I don't have my book in front of me. It's over on my iPad, which is like a good 20 feet away and I can't get up. Um, but like, you know, if somebody comments that she looks beautiful because that's part of her shtick, you know, it's like, Oh, she looks so beautiful today. And it's supposed to encourage the players playing them to describe what you're wearing, uh, to, you know, get that response or how you look. Um, that's one of those things. Or, or if uh, the teenager falls in love with the, uh, the kind of the, 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 ma- the main male character who's kind of rough and tumble, but sophisticated guy. If the, if the teenage, if the teenage girl character goes like, ah, he's so handsome. Like, boom, that's how they get experience. It gives you like tropes that you need to like play towards with your character and, and to elicit the correct rea- uh, audience reactions, but it keeps the players engaged because if you're not actively in the scene between two characters talking, you still have a role to play, which is the, the mom, the dad, the teenage daughter and the teenage son. You're, you know, you're just supposed to be playing them generally and it's fudge brilliant. It's great. <laughs> So, yes, I, I, I highly recommend it. It's called an, an Ashcan edition because uh, the guy who wrote it, he's currently writing like the real book version of it that'll, well, for one, actually explain the, the Powered by the Apocalypse rules because this book doesn't. It just says, you know how to play this right because I'm moving on. Uh, <laughs> read one of these books if you don't know how to play. Um, but, yeah, that, it'll, ha- it'll have it all in like one contained thing. And he kind of says in the intro that there's only really enough here to play like a couple of sessions. And I'd agree with that. Um, that's that's a correct sentiment. But, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like kind of silly fun and and man and this is why you should read role-playing games even though if they like i don't know if i'd ever play a soap opera role-playing game that doesn't exactly sound my style but i read it anyway because um it's good to read everything because it gives you ideas and and jumping off points so um i've explained to you my bizarre Passion de las pasiones. thank you uh, i've explained to you my bizarre love of the the x crawl setting right where you're uh, you know you're playing wrestlers or essentially wrestlers but you're D style you're on tv stuff you know Yes. Okay, so I've wanted to do this game forever where you're an X-Crawl team, but you spend half of your time doing random dungeons, which is part of your X-Crawl, which is the D&D part of it, and then half of your time is inter-character drama, right? And at first, there's a system called Hill Folk uh, that I was going to use for that part of it, but I'm like, no, I'm going to use this, because you make, you make you just make Powered by the Apocalypse-style playbooks, you know, and you retweet, like, the uh, the diva could be, you know, the, the diva in, like, a reality show and the diva on a, on a you know, on a telenovela, it's kind of the same thing like you could just sort of reskin some of the stuff to make tropey like you know reality show characters and then the the thing is it's like it's a reality show about an x-crawl team and so you know when you're when they're doing x-crawl stuff that's them you know on pay-per-view but then when they're it's all their interpersonal stuff that's you know that's just the the TV show about that team. And, and that's how you get the people to play the audience. And I'm going to just mash those two things together. And it's perfect, Jonathan. It's perfect. And I'm so happy, even though there's a fire truck going by, somebody's having a bad day right now, but you know what? It's perfect, Jonathan. As long as you're happy, buddy. Oh man, it's so good. It's, it was, it was worth the five bucks for the read. It's, it's, it's very, it has a lot of very good ideas. So yes, five bucks well spent. And who's the author? Uh, let me look that up. Pasión de las pasiones. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, Brandon Leon Gambetta. He's a nice dude. He has a YouTube channel. I, I haven't watched many of his videos yet because I haven't watched YouTube videos. I, I just found out about his YouTube channel like the other day. Um, so I don't know how I, I, I don't have any comment on those. But uh, yeah, no, he's a nice dude. I, I talked to him on Twitter for a little bit uh, the other day, which was kind of fun. And uh, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. So highly recommend. Does he seem passionate? He, he's writing Passion of the Passion, sir. I would assume so. What an odd choice for an RPG, but man, if it worked, good, good on you. <laughs> Dude, it so does. It's it's 
It so does. It has no reason to work, and it so does. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> Sometimes the best stuff does, right? It's the stuff that's so ridiculous it should never, ever work, and... And like you said, yeah. Like I said, it, it, I, I'm like it's either going to be a steaming pile or a steaming pile of awesome. It's got to be. There's no middle road for that. It's either going to be brilliant or not. And it, it was really good. <laughs> I was really, I was very, I, I, I was hoping it was good. I don't want to say I was pleasantly surprised, but but considering what it could have been, it, it was. It was. I was like, oh, thank God, it's this other thing over here. <laughs> it was so much. It was a fun read too. It was so silly. It was great. Ah, oh, I love it. <laughs> anyway, that's what I've been reading. All right. Uh, anything else you want to discuss? Uh, yes, yes. I played an RPG. I actually got to try Microscope again. It was fun. Gina, Gina and I were testing it out because we're we're looking for some free tools online to play it over the interwebs with people because it requires a lot of pl- of uh, three by five cards to to actually run. And so, you know, I refuse to spend money on Roll Twenty to play a game that you can play on notebook cards. It, it, like there has to be technology out there. And I found it. It's called Trello. So we were playing it on Trello, which is a a note card app for office people, I guess. But it worked. So uh, if you and I indeed end up playing that next week, Jonathan. Yeah, see if we can make that happen. I would like. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what we'll be using. You'll have to make a Trello account so we can all look at the board together. But yeah. I played that. Microscope is good. Uh, give it a try. I, I know we've talked about it before. But I, I'll, I'll I'll save the lengthier explanation if we actually if you and I actually do it uh, for sixty one. That's it. All right. Well, I, I sat down with the kids and we got a couple plays in of a couple things that we've uh, definitely talked about before. Uh, some more KeyForge, which continues to be fun. Mm-hmm. It's just such an easy play. You know, like they they're onto something with the formula. The formula is good. Yeah. So yeah, played some more Robotech Ace Pilot. Uh, which, of course, with I, I played with the kids. It's a unique, interesting scoring system. There's a dice mechanic where you buy the heroes. The heroes each have an attack pattern. The attack pattern gets applied to the board, and then you score what is on top based on uh, you know what takes damage. It's pretty much the core of the game, but it's it's interesting. It's a lot more brain burning than you'd think. Hmm. And then, of course, we played the Transformers CCG, and we played with Metroplex. Have you seen the Metroplex card? Is he one of the the the, the combiners or something like that? No, he's the big giant city that transformed. <laughs> Autobots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Autobot when they were running out of ideas. No, I haven't seen that. How does that work, Jonathan? Okay, so basically, you know, like in the core game, the basic cards are, I'm assuming they're like blackjack cards, right? They're they're normal-sized cards, and that, that's what makes up your attack deck. And then you have your hero cards, which are these oversized cards, and they're all nice, and they have foil on them, and you can flip them over and... You know, like they're they're uh, a vehicle on one side and a robot on the other. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the Metroplex card, which is basically the size of a small notebook. (laughs) It's like a it's eight by eleven. I want you to Google it right now. (sighs) Google like Metroplex Transformer CCG size comparison or something like that. Yes, sir. <laughs> right? Right? Do you see the ridiculousness yeah, of it? It's like what? Five by seven? It has to be about five by seven. It, it's it's just it's stupid large. It's stupid large and it's in all the right ways. And like we're sitting there playing it and I look down at the table, I'm like, this is just dumb. <laughs> it's just so huge. So uh yeah, we played with Metroplex and he's a real pain in the rear, let me tell you. He is not easy to beat. Nice. Alright, well I got to finally try Viticulture because I got it from the library. And uh, I talked to you a little bit about it. I remember um, I uh, I don't know if that's a game that Robert needs to buy, but that's a game that Robert would definitely play again. 
I think that's that's where I landed on that one. I like Viticulture so much. Yeah, it's really it's interesting. Like uh it's it's Jamie's like first it's his first game, right? I wanna say. Uh one of his first? We'll go with one of his first. Is that good enough? Regardless, like I could see uh, uh Jamie's uh, fingerprints all over it, you know? All of his games seem to have a minor element of of engine building. It's not necessarily the focus, but there's always kind of something there that you're sort of like working towards. And uh, and this was it. It kind of like, <laughs> it kind of reminded me of a minor engine builder, uh, and then two games of Lords of Waterdeep going on at the same time. But I I really dug it. Like my uh, the friend I was playing with said it was really fiddly, and I I really wasn't seeing that. I mean, there was a lot of stuff. Oh really? I didn't see. I yeah never saw yeah that yeah. I I didn't either. It would I it didn't see. I mean, it was definitely a little bit more complicated than lords of Waterdeep, but i didn't see it as any more fiddly there's a couple more layers yeah i mean the the whole grapes into wine into barrels was a little weird it it got that got a little complicated but i i still didn't it didn't really i I don't know anyway um but yeah yeah no i i enjoyed like i said i totally played that game again i don't think it's gonna be one of those ones i like need to rush out and buy but it and it kind of deserved another playthrough because we only played it the one time and you know it took us a while of course to kind of get it but seeing what you know, good strategy is in that game and whatnot, like it, it needs a few more playthroughs. And unfortunately, I just I just couldn't give it that because uh, just timing, unfortunately. So, but yeah, yeah, it was fun. And then I also got Fireball Island from the library. But uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about that later today, aren't we, Jonathan? Yes, we are. Nice. And I think that is it, sir. We are done. Thin, as they say. Well, that brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment. As always, we want to hear what you've had off the shelf. Oh! To do that, join us. Oh, we forgot! Ray had stuff off the shelf. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we uh, we forgot about Ray. Ray, Ray's been painting miniatures. It's so adorable. Oh, I know. I I saw them. They look good. (laughs) It's so... Oh, oh, I love it when people start painting. It's so fun (laughs) to watch them. You know, it's like it's like having a child and watching them experience something new. And it's like I, I watching you experience this thing that I experienced a long time ago just makes me aw. <laughs> Sorry, Ray, but it's so cute. <laughs> I'm like, oh, little baby painters. And he's really digging it. That's the best part. He's getting into it. We're like talking about him like, oh, yay. He's doing great. He's doing really yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, keep on painting, Ray. Like, seriously, you're, you're you, you got a lot of the the the, the I don't want to say. You've got a lot of the early techniques down. So like, yeah, just keep up in your game, buddy. You're, you're, you're definitely, you're definitely onto something. And if you want to, and, and yes, if you want to see pictures of Ray's models, uh, yeah, come to our Facebook group. Cause he's been posting them there. And it, which of course is how you keep in touch with us on our digital. That's group. right. That's what me. Look at that. Bringing it back around. Oh! Robert. And then he also mentioned that he played, uh, his, his gaming group got canceled. And so he ran a session of uh, end of the world alien invasion and oh man those end of the world games are yeah so i never got any of them i need to they're starting to get a little hard to find i might have to go fix that i have all four i would consider them essential uh rpg kit just simply because you can just whip them out and just do a quick one shot if your group falls apart and all you got is a couple yeah of yeah i need to I, I probably want to get the robots book or the uh the alien invasion book but anyway yes yeah, yeah so there's wrath of the gods yeah zombie apocalypse yep. alien invasion and Return of the Machines. And that brings us to the end of this segment, of course. So keep in touch with us on our, all of our digital domains. And we will return after a short break with our Wisdom of Crowds. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. 
You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment, the segment where we talk about all the fun and interesting news from the universe of board gaming and RPGing. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. First, we're going to start off with a game that's coming out from WizKids, and it's called Flotilla. Have you seen this, Robert? I want to say yes, but I can't picture it. It's Waterworld, so. the board game. Yes, yes, I did see that. This looks awesome. It takes place in a post-nuclear 1950s Earth. Oh, so they're they're doing a little channeling of that that Fallout then too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it's very obviously it's like if Fallout, Bioshock, and Waterworld had a baby, it would be this game. Intriguing. All right. So according to their according to their uh, copy here, it's uh, 1950s Earth post nuclear. After the Bikini Atoll nuclear test, sea levels have risen dramatically, necessitating the flotilla. Fleet Commander play starts as Sinksiders, collecting resources for the ocean board, collecting ruins, trying to create a better world for their crew. Yeah, it sounds a lot like what, like that city with that tree on it that ate all their sewage. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> the set that sunk and they had to rebuild it and it cost a ton of money. Yep, yep, yep. Ooh, I remember that that summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was pre-internet trash talking of movies before they came out. Now we have the internet. It's so much more convenient. I know. How did we manage to trash talk movies before the internet? I don't know. I don't know. How would those stories even get out? Well, and guess what, Robert? My favorite Christmas movie is getting a board game. Wait, okay, hold up. Mine's a Christmas story, but that seems unlikely out of you, so I'm going to go... Yours is weak. It lacks discipline. Die Hard? Yes! Die Hard, the Nakatomi Heist board game. This game looks so much fun. Who's making it? USAopoly. Oh, Oh, wow. Okay, so they're doing... Uh, is this a reskin, or they, is this an original game? No, this is this is all theirs. This is brand new. One player's John McClane. Everybody else plays the bad guys. I read that they were going to be doing something like this, uh, that they are going to make more original games, because board games is where it's at. Yeah, well, they're coming through, man. They are coming through. This game looks awesome. All right, so Gamehole Con, the favorite con of uh, <laughs> f- friend of the show, uh, uh, Robo Wheeland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get it out, Jonathan. Get it out. <laughs> Such a twelve-year-old. Yes, the worst yeah, name yes, ever. Yes, Go on. So, Wizards is going to premiere uh, new adventures for a as of yet unannounced D and D setting at this year's Game Hole Con. So, it means that whatever had the re- uh, the Ravnica, the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica spot uh, last year. Uh, is going to have that spot this year. I'm pretty sure because uh, the con is. Uh, oh, it's it's Halloween through November third. Wow! But they're going to have the whole nine like new epic adventures, low level adventures, everything for this new setting that they are going to announce at the con, or maybe earlier than that. But the first adventures will be at the con, and it's kind of funny because people are kind of I think reading too hard into the as of yet unannounced. Because they're like, oh, this must be something new and original or maybe a classic setting. And I'm like, guys, guys, let's look at the evidence here. 
We had the Wayfarer's Guide to uh, Eberron, which they are now being incredibly cagey about if they're going to actually make a book out of it. If they weren't going to make a book out of it, if it failed, they would just say, nah, it's not enough at this time. But now they're being cagey about it. And then they released the Artificer class on on uh, as part of the Arcana Unearthed, and that is full of Eberron references. I wonder what setting it's going to be. So that's my bet. I don't know. I'm going to go with Eberron. But yes, new setting. <laughs> That was not that funny, dude. You need to get some sleep. Um, what is sleep? Sleep is a construct. It's artificial. Nobody actually sleeps. People, plenty of people sleep, dude. Um, but yes. Shut your mouth. Nobody sleeps. So, yes. A new unannounced setting, as of yet unannounced setting, Game Con, October 31st. So, yes, something new is definitely in, in coming for D&D this year, which is fun. Probably Eberron. My money's on Eberron. All right. Well, back in 1979... One of my Grail games was born, and I've never had a chance to play it, even though I really, really want to, because I love the game that came out afterwards that didn't hold its license, and that game was Rex. Do you know what I'm talking about? You were talking about Dune, the board game. Yes, and it's getting a reprint. Nice. Nice. Uh, Who's doing it? Yes, uh, Gale Force 9 now has the Dune license uh, from Frank Herbert Estate. And uh, with the new movie coming out, they are going to reprint the original Dune game with some uh, updated uh, rules, apparently, but all done by the original designers. Oh, nice. That's cool. Is it going to be its own art or they have the movie license, too, or? Uh, You know, it's kind of up in the air right now, but it looks like they have the movie license. So probably the movie. license. That would be that would be super cool. Reprinting a classic game with the movie license art. That is that is a I mean, win win. That is a win win. So that is a win win. Yes, and I'm really excited about that movie too. Let me tell you, as a fan of Dune, uh, the the new movie, the director, like, I just watched Blade Runner 2049 again the other day. I can't stop watching that film. I've watched it probably a half dozen times at that point or at this point. I think it might be one of the best movies ever made. That's a bold statement. I love it. I love it. I love it to death. You know why you love it, right? Because it's friggin' amazing? No. Because it's beautiful? No. Because it's well-constructed? No. It's a sequel that actually builds off of it, the original and, and doesn't cheapen it? No. No. It's because we currently live in a, a cyberpunk dystopia, but ours is kind of cruddy and boring, and we don't have cool bionics and flying cars, so you just want to watch the flying cars and stuff to yeah, get man, what's missing. Yeah, man, it is 2019. Where are my flying cars? Yeah. Like, they were supposed to be here. And me. our holographic billboards and all that cool stuff. I, I very specifically remember it was supposed to happen by now. I'm a little, a little upset. I'd be too. Dear world, get on it. Yeah. I mean, we've got all the boring dystopian stuff. Like, why, why don't we have any of the cool stuff to make it remotely tolerable? Yeah, why, why stop there? Let's take it home. Let's take it home. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this. Nice. What's your next uh, your next item? All right. Uh, something popped up on Kickstarter that I wanted to bring up. Uh, it's called uh, Critical Core. It's an RPG adapted from the 5th edition SRD designed to let children on the autism spectrum build social skills but also a great introductory product for RPGs for kids. That's neat. Yeah, yeah. Um, There was a really good episode of uh, the Wizards uh, Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Uh, I have it up on my screen, but it does not have a number. Fun. Well, whatever. Uh, uh, If you type in Dr. Rafael, I just typed in autism in (laughs) D&D, and it actually came up. Um, Dr. Rafael 
uh, wow, I'm going to butcher that name, but yeah, he, he did an episode where he, uh, was talking about the therapy he was doing with D and D and autism and how good it is. And it was a really interesting listen. And I, I don't know if it's the same guy. I hope it is, but just the fact that people are actually putting that out there as something, you know, that you can do, uh, is, I don't know. It's just really cool. I thought it was, I thought it was a good product. So, and it's made a ton that of money. Cool. And also, you know, if you want to get your kids into D and D, uh, apparently a good intro product. Cause it's kind of, you know, stripped down and, you know, easier, which is always good too. But yeah, just want to bring that up. Thought it was cool. Good episode of the podcast of, of that podcast to listen to. Cause you know, you can like feel good about yourself. It's like your, it's like your gaming stuff is like helping people. So obviously by the transit of property, you're awesome too. <laughs> Cause you play D and D, right? I, I think that legit, I'm going to allow. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, I'll, I'll have a link to the, uh, the podcast in the, uh, the show notes as well. Cause it is quite the good episode. I'll have to give it another listen. I have to give another listen. It's been a while. Anyway, moving on, Jonathan, close us out. All right. Well, we got two more to talk about. First of all, uh, Asthma Day North America will be exclusively the distributor of Simon Limited products. I read about that. Yeah, that's going to be things like Zombicide, Arcadia Quest, Blood Rage, Rising Sun. That's that's a big distribution deal. Nice. And it starts this spring. Huh. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. It looks like uh, as you know, Simon is is using somebody else's distribution network, and uh, yeah, let's hope it works out really well for both parties. Interesting, interesting. Hey, guess what is coming from uh, Days of Wonder soon? <sighs> I like Days of Wonder's games, so I can't think of anything snarky to say. So just go. Well, uh, Memoir Forty Four. You're familiar with? That? I am is familiar with World that. War Two problem. Yes, I am familiar with that. They're going to be releasing new flight plan to Memoir Forty Four. And this is an expansion to the game that basically brings fighters and fighter bombers <laughs> and even full bombers into Memoir 44. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. Right? <laughs> right? Because they got the hexes. Uh, and, and, and like you could, you could have like emplacements and then you could flip them over and they could be bombed out because someone bombed them. It's fudging brilliant. Yeah, I am excited. That expansion writes itself. So yeah, uh, this expansion looks awesome. Uh, it comes with uh, looks like what looks like a couple of B twenty fours and a couple of other things. Yeah, or excuse me, oh, it's a B seventeen. Hmm. Twenty one new scenarios, sixteen plane models, including large B seventeens. So there you go. Nice, nice. That could like that expansion writes itself. That's easy mode. I it fits the theme very well. It's exciting. I am I am hugely excited by it. I think it's going to be a, a, a good uh, a good fit for the end. You know you know what that expansion is? It's like it's it it's like so obvious when you think about it. It's like how did this not exist before now? You know, like it it really does write itself. It's perfect for it. Like the more I think about it, the more it's just it, like the mechanics that are already there just scream for that to be added in. It'd be easy. It'd be great too. Like I mean, that's the thing too. Somebody was listening yeah. to your mind. It, well, it, it, I don't know it, the cultural zeitgeist or something. I don't know. But yeah, no, no, no. That's that's that. Yeah, no. If you like that game, that's easy mode. Like get it. <laughs> like get it. Like that. Uh, there's so many gameplay ways you can go with that. That in that game. That's amazing. Like it. Like, and I, it never occurred to me either. Ever. Ever. And it should have. I'm dumb. We're all dumb, Jonathan. Somebody. One person was smart, and it was not us. Well, they nailed it. Yeah, they did. No, it's it's great. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of what we've had off the shelf. And now, of course, our year in the life segment. In this segment, we revisit what we talked about a year ago in our deep dive, and we see if we're still playing it or if we need to get it out on the table. We've got uh, how many seconds? 365. 
we've got 360 seconds to talk about it. And if we want to go longer, well, then, heck, that means we need to take that sucker off the shelf and put it on the table. So, Robert, one year ago, what was it? Forgot My Dice, episode 38, Need More Gifts in My Life. Uh, we were speculating that Spelljammer would be the new setting that they were going to release, so we went over Spelljammer for funsies because I wanted to. Uh, and we were wrong. It was Ravnica. But in short, I don't know. I haven't played Spelljammer because <laughs> it didn't come out. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, we, we were talking about an old D&D campaign setting, so not much there to talk about. I've played D&D since then, though. Have you? Yeah, I've played some D&D since then. There you go. I mean, like, D&D's always available. Like, it's always a good choice. Yeah, it is always a good choice. So there you go. But yeah, yeah, kind of an easy mode one. Uh, do you want to talk about what what you missed last time? Because you have not listened to that episode yet because... No, I have not had a chance to yet. Yeah. I am very curious to listen to it. So yeah, let's talk about what we missed. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 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 sorry, Jonathan, it's going to be not... It's going to be another disappointment. Uh, forgot my dice episode 37 i'm stalling as i scroll down to it there we go seven story people tower uh we played nothing we talked <laughs> i remember that one we we talked about how to mature your board game collection because that was the episode you were going to go out of town for like three four weeks but for whatever reason right before you left you had a whole bunch of free time because like jessica had taken the kids somewhere or something like that like you had like nothing to do so we're like let's record an episode three weeks three and a half weeks early and so that's what we did <laughs> so we had like because we were like spent we had like you know we had deep dived and we we recorded it like six six days later <laughs> after we recorded the last one i do remember that. yeah i do remember i also remember the people tower yeah yeah because uh because we we did uh we did our first like q a on that one which was fun i went back and re-listened to it uh after after gina and i talked about it last week uh yeah 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 uh the the fans fill up a segment that was fun i i talked a bit about birthright and we riffed a board game on it and yeah it was good times ah memories ah memories yes yes so there you go. Here's to next year when we look back at this. <laughs> when we look back at this, we're going to be looking back at uh, Fireball Island, sir. So we'll actually have something to talk about. And pasiones de las pasiones. <laughs> You're welcome, Rob. <laughs> well, we're going to take a short break. And when we return, it will be time for our deep dive. And you heard right just a moment ago. <laughs> When Robert l- let it loose, we are going to be talking from Fireball Island. I don't know why that was. I don't know why that was so funny, Jonathan. Because you weren't expecting it. That makes it brilliant and wonderful. I should have been. Maybe I'm just not expecting much out of you today because you're tired. Because you're tired. I am tired. I am tired. We will have much more to talk about in uh, a year in the life coming up, though. I'm looking at a preview of upcoming stuff. It's pretty. There's pretty good stuff. Quite, All right, good stuff. Pretty good. Oh man, I wonder if we could time it right, because because uh, uh, 43 is the Diana Jones Awards. When we talked about that last year, I wonder if we can like tie it in again. <laughs> I don't know. I don't we'll know. find out. We'll find out. But for now, we will be right back. Word. With our pasiones de las pasiones. <laughs> and last week's episode, pasiones de las pasiones. It keeps getting funnier. <laughs> oh, I need to play that game, Jonathan. <laughs> 
Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back from that break. It is now, of course, time for our deep dive segment. In our deep dive segment, we talk about one game. And we dive deep. It's really kind of weird the way that works, right? Welcome back, Jonathan. <laughs> How's that sleep going? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I am starting to feel the wear and tear of the day. I'm sure I'll be finishing uh, up this podcast and immediately uh, replacing it with a little bit light pout of uh, screaming and rage and uh, cleaning a poopy butt. Oh, good times. Good times. Great. Really looking forward to it. Hey, how was that first diaper, man? Oh, man. That first Please, that first poo. Nothing. nothing. That first poo. You know what always surprises me about the first poo every time I do it? It's not that it's gross. Like, all, all poo is gross. It's that it's so tacky. Oh, are you talking about the meconium? The, oh, yeah. Yeah. That is, that oh. is, some, that is, yeah. That's a special kind of nasty because. Yeah, it's like, it's like alien No one's slime, coming you know? out it's clean. It's sticky. You know what I mean? No yeah, one. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. The baby's not. You're just that, that is just unclean, is what it is. <laughs> we need to have somebody ringing a bell behind me, just going shame. You know what? I think it's probably the inspiration of uh, Jubilix, the demon lord of molds and slime. I can see that. And D and D, I think that's like fair. the picture. The picture of Jubilix that was in my it was in my book that I was looking at today. I'm like, yeah, that actually that looks a lot like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see, you see people, Ray, I think, I think it got cut out or he said it between segments, but he said he's, he likes us because he learns new things when he listens to us. Cause Jonathan and I are smart. And today, Ray, you learned that Jubilex demon Lord of slime in D and D is possibly based off of baby's first poo brought to you by forgot my dice making inappropriate comparisons since 2015. But then I got to tell you, man. I'm already missing the meconium because it doesn't smell. The the once, once the breast milk <laughs> starts kicking in, man, then you get those super super sweet uh, sweet poops. Mm. They, they, they ah, like smell I, unnaturally sweet. Oh, that's the worst. I don't like that one bit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so many years removed from that man. I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Oh yeah, it's the worst. But then then you get the the solid food, and then well then the game really changes because then you're dealing with full on logs, and that's nobody likes that. <laughs> Okay. Okay. The story needs to be shared now because Ray needs to learn about this too. (laughs) Okay. So one day my son, Miles, I don't know what's wrong with that boy, but he typically poops every two days unless we, we go through (laughs) efforts to make it happen. So one day I'm changing him and uh, it's bad. Like it, it, it smells (laughs) like something died and it is bad. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and so but right when i was doing that gina comes down and i'm like you know i'm talking to the boy because you're supposed to engage with the boy but as G- as my wife is coming coming I, I i start like playing it up and i start going like oh my gosh miles oh oh geez oh oh this is bad this is so bad oh god oh i i can taste it miles i can taste it <laughs> and uh i apparently taught my boy a lesson that day because now whenever i change his diaper or when i change his brother's diaper he like looks at you and he goes like, I can taste it, daddy. I can taste it. <laughs> and, uh, and then recently it's changed, uh, because, uh, at Costco, they had this like bag of like, uh, dried beet chips, 
Um, and the boys tried them and really liked them. And even though they were kind of expensive and they were a little gross, to be honest with you, um, the boys liking them, it's like give the kids vegetables and new food and they like it. Yeah, sure. Let's expand their palate because, you know, that's probably for the best, I guess. So we got a bag of it. And uh, and now he says, I can taste the beets. I can taste the beets every time I change his diaper. And the funnier is like one DJ? is I can taste yeah, the beets. Yeah, I can taste the beats. <laughs> oh, maybe he would be a DJ. Oh, man, if that's what's going on at his wedding, if he becomes a DJ and I, I can taste the beats, oh, man, that'll come full circle in about 20 years. I'm so happy now, John. Maybe he can taste the rainbow, too. <laughs> the best, the the best part is when I'm doing beats. stuff and he, and he comes up and he taps me and he looks at me. He's like, Daddy. And he whispers. And I'm like, what, what, boy, what do you want? He's like, I can taste the beats. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You're welcome, Ray. Teaching you new things. Forgot my dice. That's right. That's right. Don't you forget it. (laughs) (laughs) And who who wouldn't want to sponsor our Patreon after a discussion like that? (laughs) Speaking of sulfurous smells, let's go to Fireball Island. Forgot my dice Patreon. You can taste the beat. (laughs) God, I've missed tickling you with humor. (laughs) all right all right all right come on speaking of the sulfurous smells jonathan fireball island fireball island (laughs) you you gotta do your intro oh i'm sorry this is your first day i i didn't do it last time because i was you so gina was me so she did it last time i'm off my game when will then be now (laughs) (laughs) soon (laughs) welcome to fireball island you may have heard stories you may have visited when you were younger. You may have Perhaps you even saw Fireball and Golf, a fellow traveler, <laughs> <laughs> when you tasted the beat in a hellscape of horror. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you afraid to close your eyes at night. Whatever the case, welcome back. It turns out that Volcar did not, didn't like having his gem stolen way back then. And... So there's been some volcanic upheaval, an explosion in our snake population, feral tigers, new types of trees bent on ending human life, and swarms of bees everywhere. But don't worry, we have top people working on it. I just showed Dale the 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 Ofra bees meme today. <laughs> the timing on this couldn't be better. <laughs> Fireball Island, The Curse of Volcar is a restoration of the classic 1960 1986 what? game. <laughs> 1966. God, Jonathan, just... Uh, Fireball Island is a game... <laughs> well, we've officially gone from bad to shit show. <laughs> That's your one. We can't cuss for the rest of the episode. The classic 1986 Fireball Island that features a unique 3D island, a host of marble mayhem. It is a family weight game for two to four players that plays in 30 to 45 minutes. Remember, you don't have to outrun the fireball, just the other players. All right, now that we're seven minutes into this segment, Jonathan, let's get rolling. Well, Robert, where do we even begin with Fireball Island? Because this is not the kind of normal game that we would discuss. But I think it has a position in every single person's uh, collection. 
Uh, I would, yeah, let's tell you what, let's, let's talk about how you play that game first before we get into our opinions. Cause, uh, yeah, that's the way it goes, Jonathan. I know you haven't been here in a while, but that's the way we're supposed to do it. Well, there's certainly been some, some changes, uh, from the original. So in this version of Firebond, everybody's dealt a hand of cards and that hand of cards is going to give you the opportunity to do movement and interact with the island. Uh, now as you move, you're moving around this three dimensional map. Uh, it's fully painted. It's really pretty. And this 3D map is uh, basically covered in different little pickups that you can grab. And these are gemstones. These are coins. It's it's set collection, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And they come in three colors. There's blue, there's gold, there's red. Uh, the more you get a particular color, the better, generally. It's pretty easy. Yeah, you're basically going for a point salad trying to uh, trying to uh, come out on top of the uh, of, of the, the pile of 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 uh players and then the board is kind of divided into three segments when you get it out of the box and each of those segments has two squares on it that uh have a snapshot that you can pick up and this is the interesting part because there are only two of each of the six snapshots so if all of one get taken that's it they're gone you can't get them again so and if you get to the end of the game and get back onto the helicopter that appears to whisk you away from the volcanic island, uh, you get five points per snapshot. Uh, and also you could collect uh, the heart of Volcar, the, it's a, which, which is, is a gemstone. Gem. Yeah, it's a giant gem. And this is where a little bit of the more screw your neighbor component comes into it, because once you have that sucker, if somebody runs past you, uh, they can like swipe it from you. Unless you have an item that says you cannot swipe this, this item from me and then you play it at that point and then you keep it and that's it. And, and again, that's where that hand of cards comes into play because the, you're, you're going to have a, a variety of different cards for a variety of different scenarios. And it's, it makes, to me, compared to you know, like the roll and move of the original, it makes, makes the game considerably more engaging. And then, uh, so you play, uh, you have two types of cards. There's the souvenir cards, which are, like I said, uh, don't get, don't get swiped. Uh, you can draw off of different piles. You just play them when you do stuff and they, they have effects. And then you have movement cards. And typically the way the movement cards work, you can move, but you can actually steal a treasure from somebody instead of, uh, s- instead of stealing nothing. You can move and, st- and take all of the treasures you encounter instead of just one from every square. Um, you can move a lot, but not take any treasures. And, 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 and it must uh, be said, you don't have to stop to get treasures as you run past stuff you're right swiping it it's basically the kleptomania of the game yes that's true and then most of the move cards i would say more than half of them uh, are lotch and ember which uh, around the island are these little uh, orange marbles and you can just sort of flick them and try to get them down a track yeah so part dexterity game yes and this is where the other screw your neighbor component comes in if your ember knocks down another player they have to give you a treasure of their choice and so if you knock down several players or if you play an item that says, oh, ha, you have to give me two treasures and then you knock down all of the other players, you get a ton of stuff. And that's how you win the game, which is how I lost my first game, because somebody did that to all of us. <laughs> and then lastly, there's the cataclysm cards. And I think all of them say move six. And then uh, once three cataclysm cards have been played on the board, you put another uh, ball or another red marble into the Volcar track. And once you have all the marbles into the Volcar track, uh, that triggers the end game, and the helicopter comes back to pick you up. And anytime you play a Cataclysm, you have to roll however many marbles are in the track down Volcar. And if you get knocked over or whatever, same thing applies. You lose treasures and you get knocked down. And there's, you know, when your turn comes, all you have to do is get back up and you start moving again. It's pretty basic. Like the the rules to the game are really easy, really easy. So Jonathan, I think I've read it more recently than you. So maybe you should ask me how the rule books read. 
how that rule book is. How is the rule book, Robert? It leaves a little to be desired. There was this one rules question that came up a couple of times, and it never really got well answered in the book. And now for the life of me, I can't remember what it is, so I should have written that down. There's not much there. It's just, yeah, there's some really weird, not weird, minor rules interactions that don't always get quite covered, I would say. But in general, I mean, the rule book is what it is. It's like, it's it's like two, I don't even, th- I think it's a folded sheet of paper. I think it's like four pages, <laughs> all told, if I'm not mistaken. And it does everything it needs to do. And again, this isn't one of those like really technical games. If you have a rules question, uh, just do the D&D thing and then go around the table and decide how you guys want to play. Because that's probably as good a guess as any. And I really wish I'd written down that one question because it kept coming up. Like, it was this one weird rules interaction that we kept having to look at. And now I can't remember. I feel dumb. I am. I failed you. I failed you, Jonathan. Okay. And I failed That's our okay. listeners. I found the rule to be fine. Uh, you know, I, I distinctly remember thinking to myself, well, I'm playing the game and I don't have any major questions. And I don't even think we had to go back and really research anything. Yeah, once you get it. Well, the game's easy. Yeah, it's, yeah, once it's you a real get straightforward it, it is game, what it which is. is not to say that there isn't a lot of strategy in it. No, no. Which, which is again where that card mechanic really comes into play and shines. Like it, it adds a strategic layer to it that uh, a game like this sorely needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Well, let's let's so jump th- into components. What did you think? Uh, the game is friggin' amazing. It's, 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 it's pretty, isn't it? For its MSRP is seventy five dollars, and while that that made me cringe because I like really want to get this game for the family right now, uh, I see it. Like it's just there, there's marbles, there's pieces, there's the vacuum form board, there's you know the plastic Volcar skull and all of that. Like every everything that comes in the base game, like I, I could see where that money went. It's perhaps the most immersive game I've ever played because it, it right out of the box it just drops you into this world. It, it is extremely well put together. Yeah, I mean of of everything I dare say we have ever played on this podcast, it probably has the best table presence just because it is what it is. Well, you know? Ugh, and there's something so damn satisfying about rolling those marbles. I know, right? It's that <laughs> and physical that sound. feedback. It feels so good. Yeah, yeah. And there's it's, enough it's just pads so and variations to the pads that you're never 100% sure which direction the marble's going to go, which adds excitement yeah. to every flick. Yeah, it's it's brilliantly designed in that regard. It's just it, it it is so viscerally satisfying to do that, and and uh, we can get into this later. But it's the thing they really identified from the original game that made the original game unique and memorable. Because I I remember I didn't even I don't I didn't own Fireball Island. I don't know anybody who did, and I remembered it. I remembered the commercial. I remembered wanting that game because of the marbles, and they really upped the marble game. And that was like their their coup de gras. Like that was they nailed it. <laughs> it was just the marbles. You know, they they're like, we need to have more marbles roll <laughs> in the restoration game. Like everything else will fall into place if we can make that happen. <laughs> and it did. And and we uh, we mentioned that there's trees on the island, and trees are one of the things that you can get to adjust the marble paths because. They have these little, they have roots, they call them, but it's basically a little plastic bit that sticks out. But what that does is it cuts off avenues that the marbles can roll down. Yeah, for, it forces the marble to, to travel in a, a different direction than it might naturally. Right. And so one of the car, one of the movement cards, we forgot to mention this, has a little movement symbol where you can rotate those trees any way you want. And so it's one of the things you can do. You can protect yourself. You can put yourself in a lane where, you know, you have a tree now blocking one of the, the major route that a marble could take to get you. And so now you're maybe safe from it. And it, it, it adds in strategy, but it also, again, it's tactile. There's a tree. You have to twist it. And it's 
pretty. It's this little plastic palm tree. I mean, it, it's great. Like the, the, just the interaction with the board is so satisfying. <laughs> I, I, like as a 40 year old man, I was sitting there and I was like, <laughs> the marbles go down, but it won't get me cause I blocked it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so good. Jonathan, I, I, I was shocked at just how, how into it I was getting. Like I, I felt like a little kid. It was so fun. So what player counts did you play at Robert? Uh, our first try through, we played it without my daughter because we wanted to like play it once to know it because if the game was complicated at all to teach, uh, we didn't want her to like, you know, sit through because, you know, she's seven. She's got about right now about an hour and a half, maybe two hours of, of attention in her. <laughs> so if we went beyond that, we didn't want it to like go away. Uh, little did we know we didn't need it. But um, so I played it with three and I played it with four. Four was better, I'd say, but three worked. It was fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the more the merrier. Uh, one of the expansions, as in a fifth player, have you done that? Yes, yes. We've done five player, and I've done everything from two to five players, and it's worked every time. So what's, where's the sweet spot, would you say? I, I, honestly, I think the more the merrier, because it just introduces more chaos. Yeah, yeah. And this that's is a game, game where, where chaos on. is your payoff. Like, chaos is, is where this game excels. Yeah, I'd agree, I'd agree. And if you have access to them, this is where I would interject and say that uh, you should play with all of the um, great minds mofo <laughs> i was about to ask you about the expansions all of the expansions because the expansions add some interesting layers to the gameplay that are not particularly complex that kids can definitely hop into but i think it, it really kind of makes the game it makes the game have better legs for for, for adults Oh, well, we, we forgot to mention this because one of the expansions uses this. There's also uh, spots on the board that are caves. And the way the caves work is if you end up on a cave, you roll a die. And if you roll like a two, you have to find a uh, there's there's two of each number typically on the board. So if you find another, you just have to find a cave that has two by it and you could pop out there. And that's important for one of the expansions because the pirate ship, that's the only way to get to that island. You have to yep. go through the caves. Yeah. So, okay, so explain these, because uh, I read about all the expansions, because like I said, I'm seriously thinking about getting this game for my family, and, and I'm trying to figure out if any of them are essential, and the only one I'm thinking is, is probably the fifth player, because that just the fifth seems player is correct. Ex- essential, and, and so is the other one, the, the little mini expansion, because it adds another, another set that you can collect and a couple other things that you can do. It's more actions, which, which oh. makes the game a little deeper. Okay, um, okay. I really like the Cutlass uh, expansion too. That's the one with the with the pirate. The ship. pirate ship. It's a high risk, high reward scenario, and it takes you off the main board, which is interesting. Uh, and it introduces cards that allow you to interact with that board instead of the other board. So there, there's always this huge risk of going in there, but there, it, the treasures that are in there are always so much better. Hmm. Okay. In general, my experience with the expansions is that they really do add a, a new level. It's, it's worth exploring. Hmm, okay. I think that's about it. So, Jonathan, do you have any one last thing to say about the game? Because I know I do. Here's the deal about Fireball Island. It is a steep price point. I'm not going to deny that for a moment. Mm-mm. MSRP is 75 Yeah, but you get your money's worth. You can see where the money goes. It's, it's, it's not a mystery on what you're looking at. Um, it's a beautiful production, and the game is super fun. It's a great update of a classic so that it doesn't feel like you are... You're enjoying it solely because of the the nostalgia. Instead, what you're getting here is an updated design that still feels pertinent and has a lot more depth than you'd ever think that it did. Um, but with it comes this amazing table presence. And if you can find it, I highly, highly recommend the pre-painted figures just because 
most people aren't going to take the time to paint them, and it just adds to that immersion level. It's a real cheap way to add to the immersion level. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's fantastic. I can't say enough nice things about it. I love my copy of Fireball Island. I love that I can play it with my kids, but I also love that I can play with adults, and we always have fun. Yeah, that's the real key thing. I, I, I think really needs to be driven home. I guess. Uh, yeah, you can play with it. My, my seven year old got it. You know, like it, once we explained it to her, she she got it. She's seven. She got it. We didn't. Even, she didn't have to read anything. She didn't have to like. You know, she just played. It was great. And the fact that you can have a game in your repertoire that, you know, I mean, it's not a heavy game. You're not going to bring it out when you're like wanting to play Twilight Imperium or whatever. But, you know, if you especially since it plays so short, you know, if you have one of those kind of awkward times left over where you have, you know, not quite enough time to play another game, but not quite enough time to like just go home because it feels just a little too early. That's a game you can bring out and just do. Yeah, it's quick to set up. It's quick to play. Yeah, yeah. And it's again, it's it. With adults playing it, it does have enough depth because, you know, like getting the heart of Volker, Volcar, you know, that's a risk, you know, because it's so easy to steal and, and doing other things. It's just, it's, um, there's a lot to it there. It's got a surprising amount of depth that, yeah, if you just kind of have that awkward, like 30, 45 minutes left over at the end of the night, like it's the perfect game to bring out for that because you get this like great table presence board. You get enough strategy that you're, you're not exactly upset that you're playing it. And, and there's also this, this wonderful manic nature to it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really it, it, like the deeper you get into the game, the more high risk every single marble roll gets. And that, that really adds to this frantic nature of it. It's, it's, Brilliant. I really like it. So this is my last thing. Uh, I hadn't played any of the Restoration games yet. Uh, This was my first one. This company, I don't know what their track record is leading up to this, but they really Really nailed this game. Yeah, because what they do was they they're really for Fireball Island. They were really good about identifying what it is about the original Fireball Island that was memorable. And and it's the commercial. I remember it. I remember that that I remember the volcano guy, Volcare, and I remember putting marbles down him and it was and the bridges, you know, and just just the interactivity of the board. I remember that. You know, and so when they brought this back, you know, there were like more of it. Like I said earlier, more marbles and it worked like, you know, and they made marbles like the the rolling stuff very, very integral to the gameplay. And they had interactions with it. And it was just they identified what worked and then they fixed the things that didn't work because I, I watched a video about how to play the original game. And it's basically a chase like you start at a point on the board and you have to sort of like luck your way because it's just roll and move to get to the heart. And then once you get the heart, the first person who gets off the Island with the heart wins. Like that's it. Instead, they did this helicopter thing. Um, somebody's gotten the heart before, like the, one of the games we played, uh, the, the person who had the heart at the end of the game didn't win. Yeah. That's happened a lot to us too, which I think is great. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of points. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's worth trying to do at, at times, but it's not like the end all be all win condition. You know, there's other ways you can do to win. And one time the, the, the time I won when we played it, uh, I, I stole the heart right at the end. That was my last move. (laughs) I stole the heart and hopped on the helicopter and then I got the penny, which we didn't even talk about, but, um, yeah, I, I got a ton of points for that. And it's just, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a little luck to it. And, you know, I mean, it is based on a roll and move game, but yeah, they just, they, they so accurately identified what it was about the original game that made it special and then just turned all the dials to 11 <laughs> and fixed all of the roll and move stuff. And you know what it really makes me excited for? I, I, when I heard they were doing the dark tower, I was kind of like, eh, but I, I've been watching videos of the original dark tower and that game was like ahead of its time. 
It really was. And it makes me want to see what they're going to do to it. Because if they can do to that game what they did to Fireball Island, it's going to be friggin' amazing. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you this much. I've got several restoration games, and they've all been uh, just an amazing job of updating the game into something modern while not forgetting its identity. So I could not be more excited about Dark Tower. I, I am frothing. Frothing at the mouth. I think that's well, it. that is the end of our deep dive, I think, Robert. We both seem to have enjoyed some Fireball Island, and it is the rare game where we both got a chance to play, which makes me totally happy. I know. I'm, I'm working on that more. Uh, I, I, I've got, I got, much like all my video games came at the same time, I, I put a bunch of board games on hold, and then I wasn't paying attention, and all of them, or actually not all of them, about half of them came in simultaneously. Uh, spoiler preview of things to come. I've got World's Fair 1893. Uh, Potion Explosion and Sushi Go now in the uh, the queue, yeah, and I need to play them awesome. in two weeks because I have to take them back uh, a week from this Sunday. <laughs> well, unfortunately, so, yeah. Robert, that means that we've come to that time again. Hmm? The time for the pasión de las pasiones. <laughs> I was expecting that one. Was this funny? <laughs> well, join us and tell us about your passions. On all of our digital domains, we are particularly uh, active on the Facebooks. Yes, yes. Ray and I had quite the conversation today. I don't know if you saw that. I did, I did. I wanted to join in, but I was very, very busy. <laughs> and as with all wonderful episodes of the Forgot My Dice podcast, that means that we will be back in a fortnight. As always, at the end of our episode, Robert, there's only one last thing. Any final thoughts? Yes, Jonathan. The Mamushka. Taught to us by our Cossack cousins, the mamushka has been in Adam's family tradition since God knows when. We danced the mamushka when Nero fiddled. We danced the mamushka at Waterloo. We danced the mamushka for Jack the Ripper. And now, Fester Adams, this mamushka's for you. Or I guess Jonathan. Because I want to dance the dance of brotherly love. I missed you, buddy. I missed you too, bud. I was uh, definitely starting to get a little twitchy there at the end. I was ready. I was ready to come back. I mean, don't get me wrong. The episode with Gina was, was fun and turned out surprisingly well. But yeah, yeah, no, just uh, wasn't wasn't quite the Every same. Every so often, you go to the frozen yogurt shop and you're like, "Tonight's the strawberry night." I get that, but you know what? You're always going to be back to that vanilla. It's okay. We know you mm-hmm. love the vanilla. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I think so. It was deep. Well, with that, Robert, there's only one last thing left to do, and that is party on, Robert. Party on, John. Oh, my God, I almost forgot to tell you. What? Party on. We're getting number three, buddy. Bill and Ted 3? Yes! You're so excited, and and I thought it was something I hadn't heard of yet. No, it's Bill and Ted 3, man. What's not to be excited about? I don't know. Okay. Positive podcast. I would say nine times out of 10 sequels that are more than 15 years old to, you know, movies don't work. Have you heard the, what the plot line is? That was freaking hysterical. I, I want this movie. To, I don't want to know anything about it. I want to go in blind, but I, I, I'm just saying <sighs> sequels like this don't have a great track record. So, so like, like rain it in, man, rain it in. <laughs> no, man, I'm going in full heart, full heart on this one. All right. All the hearts. All right. Also, I'm going to see Shazam, I think, before the next episode. I think, I think that's the way the timing works. So hopefully we'll see. We, we can talk about that. I, I hope you do. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's a good movie. I want some points, man. The reviews have been good. The reviews, the reviews have, have been, been good. good. Yeah. So It's going to have a tough time beating uh, that uh, Jordan Peele movie. Though. My goodness. Where did that come from? All 
my my prediction was pleasant surprise, man. I, I think I might have some points. <laughs> well, you had some points last year too, and it didn't help you win. <coughs> oh yeah, I'm going for the three peat, baby. I'm going for the three peat. Jonathan, you just don't want this to end, do you? You're just like clamoring. Oh, I hold am. On. Hold on. I'm holding on. But it's time. It's time. Yeah, you'll be back. You'll be back in two weeks. Party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. Deal with your passion de los pasiones. <laughs> I like doing. I like using that voice. <laughs> The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 